Hello and welcome. You're listening to Epic Podcast, Emergency Preparedness in Canada. My name is Joshua. And I'm Grayson. And this special Emergency Preparedness Week episode is entitled Preparing for Preparedness, your guide to EP Week 2021 with the Alberta Emergency Management Agency. In this episode, we will be discussing how to bring preparedness to life through community engagement, effective language and messaging, and by integrating best practices into day-to-day life throughout the year, not just during EP Week. So, to kick off EP Week 2021, we'll be speaking with Rebecca Macklin and Christina Hodnett from the Alberta Emergency Management Agency about how they have transformed Alberta's preparedness programming over the last few years. All this and more on this episode of Epic Podcast, Current, Relevant, Canadian. It's the most wonderful time (laughs) of the year. EP Week 2021 is upon us, and the theme of this year from Public Safety Canada is Be Ready for Anything. Now, that might seem a little bit general, but I actually think it's a good one for this year as we're entering the most hazardous time of the year for much of Canada, while still dealing with the seemingly endless unknowns and complexities brought to us courtesy of COVID-19. I think that maybe uh, last year we had a bit of a light year in terms of wildfire and flood with some notable exceptions, of course. But this season is looking a bit more risky, so we really do have to be prepared for anything. That's right. But the big question that always looms when it comes to preparedness is how. How can individuals and organizations effectively prepare? And perhaps more pertinent to EP Week, how can emergency managements motivate preparedness behavior? Well, to find out, we're very grateful to be able to share a recording of a recent International Association of Emergency Managers Lunch and Learn, facilitated by Alberta Region President Eric Lobe, and featuring two of Alberta's preparedness scholars and experts, Rebecca Macklin and Christina Hodnett. Now, although many of the examples are Alberta-centric, I think there's a lot to learn here for anyone interested in preparedness. So please enjoy and perhaps consider how you could be a better preparedness leader in your community or organization. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for taking the time to join our Lunch and Learn today from the IAEM Alberta region. Uh, As we prepare for Emergency Preparedness Week 2021, uh, we thought it'd be useful for our members and emergency management professionals to have an opportunity to touch base with AEMA and discuss some of the great initiatives that have been put together for this rather challenging EP Week 2021. To that end, I would like to introduce Rebecca Macklin and Christina Hodnett from AEMA. A bit about Rebecca, uh, she's the Manager of Strategic Partnerships and Public Education with AEMA. Rebecca's emergency management career began with AEMA in January 2016. One of her first priorities was to host the Government of Alberta's 2016 Emergency Preparedness Week kickoff event. As things often go in EM, the unexpected happened and her first event ended early in response to the regional municipality of Wood Buffalo wildfire. Since that time, Rebecca has been deeply involved in the evolution of Government of Alberta's personal preparedness program. The program materials have expanded from a couple of links on a government webpage to more than 25 pages of public education materials, including animated videos, checklists, posters, and translated materials. The team has also grown from a couple of staff focusing part-time on Emergency Preparedness Week to a team of four staff focused year-round on building individual and community resilience. The team's goal is to create a cultural shift towards preparedness. By working with ministry and community partners, The team develops tools and resources to help community leaders with their public education efforts with an aim to inspire the people living and working in Alberta to take steps towards being more prepared. Rebecca has a Bachelor of Arts degree with a major in sociology and a minor in English from the U of A and will achieve a diploma in public relations through the University of Victoria later this year. 
During large-scale events, Rebecca works as an information officer in the Provincial Operations Centre to support the provincial response. Uh, a bit about Christina, uh, who is the Acting Prepare Personal Preparedness Consultant with the Alberta Emergency Management Agency. Christina began her career in emergency management 10 years ago as a community peace officer with, for the town of Okotoks. She didn't realize it at the time, but her first-hand experience responding to the 2013 Southern Alberta floods would come full circle when she started working for the Alberta Emergency Management Agency supporting the Disaster Recovery Appeals Program in 2015 for that same disaster. In 2018, Christina joined Rebecca's team supporting the development of the Personal Preparedness Program. Christina has been working as the Acting Personal Preparedness Program Consultant for the last two years and leads the Personal Preparedness Program coordination and program development with various stakeholders. During large-scale events, Christina fills a leadership role in the planning section at the Provincial Operations Centre. So thanks for having us today. Um, today, we're going to talk about our role within the agency. So we want to give you a bit of context as to how we work within the Alberta Emergency Management Agency, where we fit in, what guides our work, and then we're going to talk about the approach to our programming and um, the work that we put into building out our program beyond what we all kind of have learned to know and love um, when we're talking about preparedness messaging, which is uh, know the risks, make a plan, build a kit. Uh, then Christine is going to talk to you about the program itself. And finally, we're going to talk about the Emergency Preparedness Week campaign. So you'll notice that during our time with you today, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about Emergency Preparedness Week specifically because we firmly believe that EP Week is just one week out of the year and it's an important opportunity for us to kind of leverage the awareness that that week brings uh, to preparedness to build resilience from the ground up. But it's one week out of the year and what we want to see happening is preparedness being something that we talk about every day for us to weave it into our day to day life and make it a habit and just the way that we live versus something that we have to think about and, you know, focus on at, you know, once or twice in the year. So, um, the Alberta Emergency Management Agency is the lead coordinating agency for emergency management in the government of Alberta. Um, I thought it was important for us to share with you AEMA's mission, um, and it's to uh, collaborate with emergency management partners and stakeholders to build a safer and more disaster resilient Alberta. Um, so where we fit in to the uh, agency on the whole is we're divided into three separate kind of branches, which somewhat kind of mirror the um, emergency management pillars. And uh, obviously there's lots of intersections in, in our work, but um, the true goal for our work is to build resilience at the individual and community level. You know, when I was hired, the, the intent was for AEMA to you know, ramp up its focus on preparedness. And uh, so that was in early January 2016. And then we had the regional municipality of Wood Buffalo Fire just a couple of months after that. And in the le lessons learned report that came out of that, the KPMG report, one of the recommendations was that the province should be spending more time improving and enhancing the public's awareness in um, on what they should do to protect themselves when an emergency or disaster happens. And that was through public public messaging and uh, engagement. So we knew that this was a priority and it was something that we should have been focusing on. So the wheels were already in motion when all of that started to happen. And 
then shortly after the fire, I was dedicated to personal preparedness full time. And that was the first time in my awareness anyways, that the government had dedicated, you know, a resource specifically to building preparedness programming for the public. And now we're a few more years down the road and we're actually, we've grown to be a team of five people, including myself, um, focusing on building resilience at the individual and community level year round. And we do that by coming at it from a few different ways. So, um, you know, we're building this programming, uh, but what we want to see is that community leaders take the programming and champion it within their own organizations and within their their own networks. So um, the focus for strategic partnerships is to work within the emergency management community because Obviously, we all have a role to play uh, in building resilience uh, within our own networks, but it's also to expand our relationships with people outside of the usual suspects to build that capacity to get more and more people talking about what we can do to better prepare ourselves. Um, Christina works with subject matter experts from across the government of Alberta. Um, we have a, like a deep pool of research that we're pulling into our programming. Uh, and we've now got in a quite a, you know, in a good amount of time, we now have 25 pages on alberta.ca and that that content is continuing to grow and to to develop. Now, public education is another piece to our work and that's the information out and that's where we get to get creative. It's all about, um, you know, how we're tailoring the messaging to specific audiences, looking at how we can appeal to different um, segments of the population, what might be a motivator for them, um, how can we change the message to motivate action? Because it's not just about awareness, it's really about motivating people to do something um, so they can better take care of themselves when they're being impacted by a disruption. So we have a 60-second video series that we've created, and actually when we were prepping for this um, conversation, Grayson asked, who the vendor was that we're using to create those 60 second videos. And uh, I'm proud to say all of the information and all of the content that we create, it's all being done in house. Um, we have pretty unique skill sets on our team and we are able to um, animate the videos, create the script, work with subject matter experts uh, to make sure that the content is valid and relevant and we're hitting all the marks. And then, um, you know, the voiceover work, all of it is done by um, our staff. And then and finally, we have that research piece, which all of the work that we're doing, um, the communications, the program development, even our stakeholder engagement work, it is all grounded in a wealth of research. So we've got a research analyst dedicated to this, um, and we, he's spending time looking at academic articles, um, you know, environmental scanning, looking at already existing data, and uh, we've, we're looking at our website analytics to glean, you know, what's emerging, um, what's happening, what can we learn from communities that are being impacted frequently, how can we work that into our own programming, you know, what's the future of preparedness messaging, um, how do we change our program to make it appealing and palatable and accessible to many. So here I'll talk a bit about our program approach because it is different from what we're used to seeing, which is the basic know the risks, um, make a plan, build a kit. Um, what we're trying, what we know through our research and through, um, you know, just our experience is that 
having a plan is actually quite a big thing to ask people to do. Building a kit is expensive, it's, um, or it can be. Um, it takes time, it takes resources. With the pressure of life, just pre-COVID even, how many of us actually make building a kit a priority in our day-to-day you know, I've got a laundry list of things that I need to do. I'm a working mom. I've got kids who are going to school. I go to school myself. Um, you know, we're all crammed into this tiny little house together all the time. And there's a lot of things that we're all juggling. And I'm sure your experience is um, different, but the same, and that we're all under a lot of pressure. So, you know, saying uh, make a plan is is sounds easy, but when you actually start scratching at the surface and you find out what that means, it's actually a big thing to ask people to do. So, Um, We're actually breaking it down even more basic than that. And we're trying to weave in really simple language saying, you know, just do one thing. Buy a flat of water so you can say you've started. Because we know through our research that um, if you do one thing, preparedness actions cluster. So if you can do one thing, then that will probably lead to something else. Um, If you can have a conversation about what you're going to do with someone, that's going to influence other people's behavior. So um, that's kind of where we're taking it. It's, it's, It's less about trying to simplify it into those three kind of big, huge categories that become overwhelming quite quickly and it's um, breaking it down and making it relatable, using stories to make it uh, something that people can kind of envision themselves doing and making it inclusive so um, no one is being left behind. Um, That inclusivity piece is something that we're continuing to work on. We know that there's lots more work to do um, so by no means do I want to relay that the program is done. It's continuing to build and evolve and grow but um, these these are the areas that we're we're focusing on. So when I said that we are looking at shaping the language and building it beyond the big three, this is kind of through our research, these are the key preparedness kind of behaviors that we have woven into our program. Um, So we're not saying to people, there's seven things now that you need to think about doing. It's just something that we weave into the messaging as we go. These are almost like our key messages that we want to make sure that we're always hitting these marks when we're we're creating our fact sheets and our infographics and and what have you. So um, you'll see, you know, the risks, make a plan and build a kit are in here, but we're also talking about community connections because we know through our research that people who are connected to those around them Um, If you know your neighbors, if you know the people that live on your street, then um, you actually are less impacted by significant events and you're able to recover from them more quickly. Um, So we talk about that piece and how important it is to stay connected. Um, we, we talk about getting informed. That's not a new message, but it's something that we want to reinforce and make sure that we're talking about, you know, getting accurate sources of information and knowing where to go for information before the bad thing happens so that information is automatically fed to you. So that's doing things like signing up for alerts or finding out where your local community will share emergency um, updates. Maybe it's a Facebook feed or, um, you know, the local website. Thinking about that in advance to make sure that you don't have to look for the information. It's being fed to you automatically. Um, Starting a conversation, I had mentioned on the last slide that we know that when you talk about what you're doing with others, first of all, it removes the stigma of preparedness because we all know um, if you're in emergency management, you know that being a prepper is maybe not perceived to be the most 
um, I don't know what the word would be, but um, there's a there's a, a connotation associated with that name. But if you use kind of current events to start the conversation and you kind of weave it in casually, like um, all you have to do is turn on the six o'clock news to see people being impacted by a large event or a small event. Uh, and then you can use that as an opportunity to say, you know, what would we do if that were to happen? I bet they didn't see that coming. Uh, you know, we aren't planning for something that like that either. You know, let's talk about what that means and and just start the conversation. It's 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 actually easier than you'd think. And that kind of gets me to another point in that um, in the shaping the language and relaying this information to the public. Um, what we're doing is we're trying to get away from focusing on disaster preparedness. And we're, you'll notice if you go to um, our materials, we talk a lot about um, the benefits of being ready for personal emergencies and for um, life's daily disruption. So it's not necessarily like we don't have to use, you know, in, in fact, if you talk about preparing for a disaster, most people will say, well, that's not going to happen to me. I don't need to worry about that. Um, but if you say, you know, having a flat of water is really great. Um, if you have to face a sudden disruption and you're out of water for a few days because something is happening in your community. Um, but the benefits of having that flat of water also help when, you know, you say you wake up one morning and you realize there's a, a leak that you need to deal with. So you've got to shut your water off for the day until a plumber comes to deal with it. Um, because you've got that flat of water stored, you you can still have your morning coffee or tea while you wait for the plumber to come. Or in Christina's case, she was getting ready for one of our team meetings and she turned on the water to make herself a cup of coffee, coffee before our team meeting. And there was little bits of particulate in her water. And that was really annoying and inconvenient. And she didn't want to make her coffee um, for the meeting with that whatever that was in her water at the time. So she went and grabbed her bottled water, made herself a cup of coffee. She had her coffee for the meeting and then she was able to deal with that inconvenience after the meeting was done. If we can shape the language somewhat to show the benefits uh, to our day-to-day -day versus those once in a lifetime or more often than that these days, um, if impacts that we have to face, then it can make it more relatable and it, we, we hope to see that that will inspire a bit more action in the right direction. The other piece that I want to talk about is about uh, financial preparedness. So we know through our research that uh, it's important to talk about um, having a savings, but again, that's not very inclusive and not everybody is in a position, especially these days, to be squirreling money away for a sudden impact. Um, we're all just trying to make ends meet, many of us at this time. So what we talk about is like financial preparedness is not just about having money in the bank. It's about making sure that you know how to access um, your finances or you've got your banking information saved. So if you're displaced, at least you can access it. It's about having a little bit of small cash available so if you know the gas stations are closed down and you can't access debit you've got you know a little bit of money scrolled away so you can put some money in your tank before to get yourself from point A to point B um, and it's about talking to your insurance provider insurance is a huge factor in recovery when people are impacted if you don't have the right insurance um, you know that can have huge impacts and um, I actually 
uh, called in to a meeting last week where um, we were talking about the impacts for people who are, you know, new to Alberta, maybe new to our country, don't understand the importance of having the right insurance. Um, so we've got a, a lot of work to do in making sure that that information is being re relayed to the right people before they're being impacted so they don't have to deal with the after effects of that after being affected. So lots to do in that work as well. And one more thing before I move on, and that's about gathering supplies. We're getting away from building a kit. And, and it's not to say that building a kit isn't important, but we're talking more about gathering supplies because gathering supplies can mean different things for different people. And um, you, you want to have supplies. So if you're stuck in your house, let's say for 14 days because you have to quarantine, you're ready and you maybe you don't have to ask for help and get that toilet paper or whatever it is that you might might have needed if you weren't you know stocked up. Gathering supplies can be about having supplies in your vehicle so you're ready if you have to go. But um, what we're especially moving away from is calling a kit uh, a 72-hour kit. Nowhere in our material we see it referenced that way. We'll say you should have a kit stocked for a minimum of 72 hours, but we do not call it a 72-hour kit anymore because we know disasters are happening more frequently. They're you know, weather events are becoming more severe. And when people are impacted by a bad thing, um, you know, 72 hours of supply just isn't likely going to be sufficient. So we want to make it accessible and we don't want to narrow the scope of what we're recommending. So we're trying to uh, we don't say 72 hours, we're saying gathering supplies and we're suggesting that people make their preparedness plans work for them. Um, speaking of current events and, and using them to our advantage, because we know that, that when someone, another community is being impacted, um, people take notice and then they start to think, what, what might I be able to do for myself if that were to happen to me? Um, one of the examples I often come back to is a couple of years ago, it was before, just before the pandemic really started to ramp up in um, the winter of... Um, I suppose 2019, uh, when Atlantic Canada was being hit by a snow hurricane. I think they called it Snowmageddon. And before the snow hurricane hit, um, many, many people went to the grocery stores to stock up on storm chips. I guess that's an Atlantic Canada thing to do. Uh, if it's going to storm, then you go get your chips so you can be comfortable at home while you wait out the storm. Um, after Snowmageddon was done and everybody was snowed in and, you know, pulling themselves out of the, out of the, out of the snow, the chip aisles were empty. But what happened was we saw people lining up at pharmacies to fill their medications. Um, so, you know, when things like that are about to happen, people are tuned in, but they might not be thinking about um, it in the right way. So that's where we can kind of shape the language and change it to say, hey, go stock up on those storm chips, but also make a stop at the pharmacy to make sure you've got your medications and, and you know, your toilet paper. So, um, you know, let's use that 
and change change the message to get people's attention in the right way and for and move them in the right direction. And before I hand it to Christina, I'll talk a bit more about the research piece of our work. Uh, we've created a survey of our own that we're going to be issuing to Albertans in the first week of May. And what we'd like to do is repeat this survey um, in future years. So we're um, measuring preparedness behaviors and actions. And then over time, what we'd like to see is preparedness behaviors and perceptions improve and we're going to measure our approach and see um, if we can kind of move the needle in the right direction. Another survey that we're looking at developing is a survey to community leaders because one of the things that we'd like to learn is and I think confirm because we have a suspicion that People who are working in emergency management, for the most part, we know are many of them are double-hatted and uh, they have a long list of to-dos just like everybody um, that we're trying to get to do to be more prepared. We know emergency managers are also spread quite thin. And so we're wondering, you know, is preparedness messaging, is that delegated out to anybody within your organizations? Is that... Um, is it a responsibility of anyone? Uh, and what are you doing to help try to build resilience from the ground up? And um, from those survey results, what we'd like to learn is, you know, who, where the priorities are, where the gaps are, and how can we help to fill them and support communities so they can build that resilience um, within their own networks. Um, because we know that when the message is coming from closer to home, then people living in the community are more likely to listen and react and respond. Canadians are aware that there are risks in their communities. Some of them are aware there's high risk in their communities and they know they should do something about it, but they just aren't. Uh, and that the credibility of emergency management organizations at the local, provincial and federal level is there. People listen to what we have to say. They're looking to us for leadership and they're looking to us to guide them on what they should do. Uh, and the closer to the community that that leader is, the more inclined they are to listen and to act. So if you are working at the municipal level or in an emergency management or emergency response, sorry, um, role, you know, the people within your network are looking to you for guidance in this. And so um, we hope that the programming we're building gives you those tools so you can educate and guide people to take the right steps. Okay, Christina, I will hand this over to you. Okay, thanks, Rebecca. I'm just going to dive a little bit deeper into the personal preparedness program to give you a better idea of what the program offers um, and the type of content you're going to find published on alberta.ca. Our program is continually being developed uh, with new tools and materials. Uh, the information is updated regularly and it's on a review refresh calendar cycle to ensure all the content is up to date and it follows best practice. Uh, all program content is developed in collaboration with subject matter experts, and it is built for community leaders and stakeholders to be used to educate their networks. With that being said, I just want to take a second on the term community leader. Um, when we talk about community leader, we're referring to anyone with an interest to build resilience. This could be a Boy Scout leader, uh, it could be somebody in your community league, a volunteer group, um, a neighbor, or it could even be an elected official. We want all resilience builders to see themselves as a leader in their community. Our library preparedness resources on alberta.ca, or as Rebecca referred to it earlier, it's our public education. It continues to grow. We are finding new ways to share information. 
um, organize and streamline the information as well as create opportunities to connect our partners public education with ours by publishing web page link inserts into our content. Okay, so our Get Prepared 60 Second Emergency Tip video series is a creative and alternative way to share information. The videos created were developed using our fact sheets. However, uh, this format provides that information in bite-sized videos that clock in within one minute or less, are easy to digest, and most importantly, easy to share. The videos are housed on alberta.ca, but also on YouTube. Uh, we currently have 14 videos that include hazard-specific topics, community building, and how to be better prepared without spending a lot of money, just to name a couple of them. Uh, these videos are worked on with subject matter experts to make sure the content is accurate. And actually, um, we just published one today, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's been released, but we spent a significant amount of time going back and forth on a new video. Um, it's a farm animal and livestock preparedness one, and we worked very, very closely with the Ministry of Agriculture to ensure that we got all the little details right, including ear tags on livestock, what color those tags should be based on that species, um, including farm animal safety. So there's no pitchforks allowed to be left unattended in any animal pens or any of the such. So this ensures that our audience knows that the information that we're putting out there can be trusted. This, um, it's a way to give information by using more visuals instead of just text all the time. So you'll notice that the demographics of the characters are diverse. We are doing what we can to represent all people living and working in Alberta, as Rebecca mentioned, and there's still more work to be done there. We want people to relate with these characters as much as you can with uh, animated people. So let's show it, Rebecca, and then I'll uh, give a quick recap after. Can you what hear it? Yes. Okay. And how can they affect you? Did you know that Alberta has experienced many of the largest disasters in Canadian history? Fires, floods, power outages, and train derailments are common hazards in Alberta. But hazards vary depending on where you live. Knowing the risks in your community can help you respond when something unexpected happens. You can become more prepared by answering questions like these. Do you live near water that could cause flooding? Do you have supplies ready in case of a power outage? Do you live in an area where fire can quickly spread? Find answers and learn more by connecting with your community officials and stay informed by following your local news. For tools and resources to become better prepared, visit alberta.ca. So just a quick recap on that. The goal is to empower action by breaking down the why, what, and how into more manageable things people can do. The videos are short that people will watch them through to the end, hopefully, and um, share them on their social media platforms, which is more often where people are going for information these days. So another way for us to share our resources and information is through QR codes. Uh, we developed our Scan to Prepare poster series. Uh, this QR code on the screen uh, is programmed, so you can check it out. It will lead you to another 60-second video. Um, currently, we have all of those 60-second emergency tip videos linked to a QR code uh, in a poster series, but it is of note that the QR codes are not limited to videos and can be programmed to display various types of content. Uh, we see this area as an opportunity for growth and development, possibly through the creation of customized posters for specific stakeholders and their audiences. So, Rebecca, that's, that's part of mine. It's back to you. Great. Thank you. All right, so um, we're going to talk about communication channels and then we're going to move our way into EP Week specifically. Uh, so quickly, um, this is 
some of the communication channels that we are using to make sure that preparedness messaging is accessible to people year round. Because uh, like we said, EP Week's one week out of the year. And what we want to see is preparedness is a part of the conversation all of the time um, and use EP Week to amplify the message because it is a great opportunity for us to do that. Um, so some of you may already receive the daily situation report. It's a uh, report that comes out from the Provincial Operations Centre that reports on, you know, what's happening in the province. We've right now there's a daily situation update on COVID. And then um, now we have the just just below the COVID update is a weekly preparedness message. This is new for us and a great what we see as a win uh, to get preparedness at the forefront of people's minds year round. What we're trying to do is make sure that those messages are timely and relevant. So when we see something happening in the province, uh, for example, um, there was an extreme cold warning that went out in uh, February. Um, you know, we had a pre-planned preparedness message at that time, but we shifted the message to make sure that it was relevant for that extreme cold warning. And we import incorporated that into the DSR. So the emergency management community has access to a quick and easy cut and paste message that they can incorporate into their own messaging, their own channels. So uh, you can take that and put that into a newsletter, into an email to staff, into your own social media posts, however you like to reach out to your networks and share, um, you know, we take, put that message in the DSR and it's there for you to use and adjust as you see fit. Uh, we're also trying to expand our audience beyond the emergency management ne network by building out distribution lists for specific, for different kinds of groups. And um, we're, we have a monthly message that we plan um, which also we plan for to be timely and relevant to what's happening in Alberta. Um, when we make program updates, we'll also share them with this group um, from time to time. So it's a great way to stay on top of what we've been developing. But, uh, you know, this distribution list is growing. We've got um, what I'm, I loved seeing is that we've got communications professionals now. People who are working in communication shops and municipalities are asking to be added to this list. We've got nonprofit organizations, non-government organizations. You know, essentially, when Christina had mentioned, you know, Boy Scouts and uh, community leagues, and um, you know, we've got a new relationship building with libraries. This is how we're trying to kind of broaden the scope of what we're working on so it's uh, goes beyond just emergency managers uh, if you are interested in being added to this distribution list we've got an email at the end of the uh, presentation you can send us an email on and, and we'll add you to it uh, and then we've got the Your Alberta social media channels, which are also an important channel out and the only um, real channel we use to reach Albertans directly. Our, our real focus is to reach people who, you know, have an influence and can use our programming um, to meet the needs of their audience. But um, Your Alberta social media is the one way that we reach people directly. And uh, it's less frequent that we get the messaging out, but it is um, on a rotation year round. And um, what we'd love to see is that when those preparedness messages go out that, you know, other 
communities, other leaders across the province, you know, like it and share it. And we can broaden the scope and the reach of those preparedness messages. So it's getting, you know, more views, more sets of eyes are seeing the message. Um, and you're endorsing that as uh, something that's important and that's something we should be focusing on. Um, before I hand it to Christina to talk about EP Week specifically, I just wanted to share this website uh, traffic um, slide with you. What this is, is, um, you know, getting the message out is important, but we also take the time to measure how engaged people are with what we're sharing. And if we're seeing low engagement, if we're seeing people aren't kind of, aren't picking up what we're sending out there, then we'll adjust our, our, our approach. Because um, we know timing is important and we want to get to people when they're thinking about preparedness so we can get them to do something about it as well. You know, we get a pretty steady stream of traffic, surprisingly, actually, to preparedness information. It's consistent, pretty pretty flat, but consistent where people are actually looking for the information on a frequent basis. But then when something starts to happen in the province, we see these spikes and sometimes they go up pretty high. Um, this was at the end of March, March 28 and 29, when there were two wildfires in the south and then a spring storm, which uh, led to a, a quite a big pile up on Highway 2. When those alerts went out, we saw a, this spike happen. And what's remarkable about that is the alert goes out. And then for people who receive the alert on their phone, uh, they had to click through four or five separate links to get to our preparedness information on our website. Um, so that's some, that's motivation to find out what you should actually be doing when this threat is real. And that tells us that people are looking for information and we want to use that timing um, appropriately to make sure that they are, when they're engaged with the information, that we're giving them kind of a more obvious breadcrumb trail to follow so they can act. And so we're actually working with our partners at Alberta Emergency Alerts right now to embed prepare, links to preparedness information into those information alerts when they go out. So um, when somebody is facing a potential or an imminent threat, uh, we will have a link that they can follow through to, let's say, our gathering supplies webpage. Or if the threat is a, you know, possible extreme winds, then we'll link to our summer storms webpage to make sure that the information is relevant and timely. And we're taking advantage of the fact that they're engaged and hopefully prompt some preparedness action. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Christina. So emergency preparedness week while you guys are here. Um, AEMA acts in the coordination role during EP week with the goal to build resilience and in individual at the individual level and reduce the impact of emergencies and disasters to people living and working in Alberta by aligning communications for internal and external messaging and through support by sharing information materials and tools. So all the program that work that we do, we like to share this information out so it's usable. EP week is running May 2nd to the 8th this year. The theme is set by Public Safety Canada annually and it's endorsed by the senior officials responsible for emergency management, also known as SORUM. Uh, the theme is emergency preparedness, be ready for anything. So this year's theme is aligned with Public Safety Canada's recently launched National Emergency Preparedness Advertising Campaign, which you may have noticed an increased preparedness presence um, from these guys on your social media platforms. Um, and actually coming next week, you're gonna ex you can expect to see commercials from them as well. Um, so the dedicated Emergency Preparedness Week webpage that we mentioned is a one-stop shop. It includes all our messages, so things that you can pull from it, like key messages to use within your own communications. Uh, it links out to our resources 
like fact sheets, the scan to prepare posters, the videos. It explains our approach to preparedness and provides helpful tips on how others can get that conversation started. You'll see we have woven in more than just know the risks, make a plan and build the kit. We talk about community resilience by getting to know your neighbours, starting the conversation with people in your network, and we don't use 72-hour kit anymore, as Rebecca said. Rather, we talk about gathering supplies, which includes having a kit, but it's it's more than that. Thanks, Christina. I just wanted to kind of take this opportunity to say if there's only, you know, a couple of things that you've taken away from our, our presentation to you today, it's that... Our program is built for you to share with your community. So we're looking to leaders, no matter whether you see yourself as a leader or not, in the emergency management community, if we work in this field of work, people look to us and look to see what we're doing and they'll follow suit. More importantly, though, if we aren't prepared and we're not talking about it um, or, you know, we're contradicting what we say by not following through their actions, they'll follow that too. So um, it's important that we do lead the way and keep the conversation going and take the stigma away from preparedness and um, make it something that we just kind of weave into our day-to-day life. Um, I think the last thing I want to leave you with is just to say it's hard for all of us. I eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff. It's my 24-hour, you know, it's my job and I am not as prepared as people would think Um, so it's important to acknowledge that it's not an easy thing for us to do but it's if we just take those little bite-sized steps and try to make it a habit then over time we'll actually see that we are more prepared than we even think. Well Grayson what do you think old news or a new strategy for preparedness? I love this. 72 hours, gone. Kits, minimalized. Lip service, no more. <laughs> they really are leading the way here with sustainable, you know, evidence-based, inclusive approach to emergency management and, and preparedness. You know, Rebecca's quote that it's not about awareness, it's about motivating people to do something, sums it up really nicely. Although they are, of course, tied to Public Safety Canada's somewhat tired motto of know the risks, make a plan, get a kit, all three of which, as we heard, are either far more complex or maybe a little more useless than previously thought, I think I heard a new big three emerge that I'm going to be taking to heart in my practice. And these are get connected with the community, start the conversation, and lead the way by doing one thing to prepare. Great. Well, uh, we're already connected, so let's start the conversation. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so I, I, I agree with you. I mean, some of the points that were made really stand out to me, uh, you know, making things really practical and, and relatable. And we're kind of getting away from just lip service bylines and, uh, you know, marketing uh, uh, campaigns and, and not using that knowledge deficit model anymore because, you know, I think the quote here is really, as you said, it's not about awareness. It's about action. How do you actually make people um, take those easy first steps? And uh, even just doing one thing certainly has knock-on effects. And, uh, you know, making communities more connected and giving people the resources and and trying to make it seem less scary, frankly, that, that preparedness is about the small steps we can make. And if you can tie it into your everyday and uh, those day-to-day emergencies, quote-unquote, um, you know, I think it becomes... Uh, much more scalable yeah couldn't agree more not about awareness about action it's also not about getting out your shiny toys or repeating the message from last year it's about integrating these plans and these policies and these equipments into everyday life 
Yeah. And the other part, which I think has really been left out of emergency preparedness messaging, is this concept of financial preparedness. And it's kind of been the elephant in the room, really. You know, we, we tell people to buy flashlights and candles. But at the end of the day, looking at the social determinants of health, we know that the biggest predictor is that wealth breeds health and uh, ha not having that conversation and at least having people plan financially for what a disruption looks like what does uh, what are the uh, resources available if you're not somebody who's able to um, you know have a rainy day fund and, and have um, you know uh, tolerate time away from work if you get sick etc so and I mean that's even more prevalent nowadays with with COVID we're seeing some of those implications uh, nobody going to work sick didn't realize that it was not a good idea uh, people uh, I think uh, understood the messaging it was just they didn't have the financial resources to necessarily follow through and and uh, you know take the steps so yes absolutely a refreshing take on what could have been a sally event that same as last year phenomenon if you're looking to up your preparedness game you can check out some of the tools and videos that were mentioned in the podcast at www.alberta.ca emergency preparedness week.aspx or check out the show notes for some more useful links and that's all for this episode of epic podcast a big thanks to rebecca and christina for sharing their time and expertise with us on the topic of preparedness and just a reminder that this is the first episode in our special ep week series so stay tuned for a new episode every day for this week just before we go i would like to thank some of our sponsors uh, this episode is brought to you by the calgary foundation proudly supporting community needs for 65 years whether someone is battling depression fleeing domestic abuse or worried about putting food on the table it's times like these that inspire people to help others during a period of unprecedented need the calgary foundation is here to help through the generous support of donors, the Foundation offers a wide range of funding opportunities for organizations who share a common goal of building a healthy, giving, caring, and resilient community, one where everyone thrives. If you're part of a registered charity looking for a grant, discover a wealth of resources at calgaryfoundation.org and learn more about the Calgary Foundation on their Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channel. This episode was also brought to you by Rumi. We put together a quick message for you. Hi there, I'm Brendan, a certified home inspector with Rumi. Do you have a problem that needs fixing? Whether it's big or small, inside or outside, let me help you find out what's really going on. You can call me by phone, or we can take a look together over video chat. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and go to Ask a Home Inspector to book your appointment with me today. You've been listening to an Epic Podcast production. A proud partner of the International Association of Emergency Managers Canada and a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. As always, Epic Podcasts are designed as a supplementary educational tool for the EM professional on the go. The views and opinions explored during this podcast do not necessarily represent the agencies or organizations that we or our guests may belong to. For more information about the show or the people on it, visit our website at epicpodcast.ca or follow us on Twitter at username Epic Podcast. Stay tuned for more on the next episode of Epic Podcast, current, relevant, Canadian. <laughs>